was Yesu, Joy of Man's Desire, or Joy of Man's Desiring, Celtic Women. Kind of seasonal, without the commercial Christmas garbage. Well, which is the, the, the um, topic of my discussion today. This is William Fink. This is the Christogenia European Fellowship Forum. Hopefully some Europeans will show up. That's a, uh, I'm kidding. I wrote a, a, a short article last year, a couple hundred words, entitled Merry Christmas and to Hell with the Antichrists. And I'm going to expound on that this year. I, I already have. It's published on the front page of the Saxon Messenger, where it'll stay until um, until next week or until whenever the next the December Saxon Messenger is published. Every year around this time, that there is the same list of questions that circulate among Christian identists, and, and many of us have the same internal structure internal struggle, and, and that's the struggle between, you know, what what, what to do with our families when, when they don't understand the things that we understand about the Bible, and what we understand about the Bible. What should we do about Christmas? For many of us, it's, it's not a struggle at all. Rather, we simply alienate our families and friends by shunning their pagan holiday, and kicking everybody off and sitting in the corner and pouting all week. Um, I've seen grown men do that. It's unfortunate. It's never good to compromise the truths of our faith. There's no doubt. But we are also told to love our brethren above all but God himself. And there are many places where we should definitely never cross the line. We should not violate the commandments of God, even in spite of our brethren. And when our brethren insist on doing, when our brethren insist on violating the commandments of God, then we should indeed shun them. But the commandments of God don't preclude us from celebrating any. Um, any holidays with our kin, which are outside of those which we are to celebrate. That, that's what a lot of people in Christmas and in, in Christian identity don't understand at all. Yes, we should keep the fast, the the, the feast of of Passover, the fast and and the feast of the Day of Atonement and and Sukkoth or Tabernacles and, and the feast of First Fruits. We should definitely keep them. There's no doubt. We we should keep them in honor of our God. And, and um, even though we should always remember that Paul advised us, and, and this is true, not to let any man judge you concerning feast days, new moons, Sabbaths, because we have an understanding that those things of the Old Testament are a shadow of the things to come, and while we should want to be obedient to our God, we're not going to be doomed to hell if we miss a feast or a Sabbath. That, that's just the way it is. Or, or if we celebrate it uh, on what others may perceive as the wrong day. That there are much more important commandments that we should never violate. And, and, and all ten of them. <laughs> all ten. That thou shalt not. That thou shalt love thy God first. And, and, um, and if we love our brethren, we can't break any of the commandments. It may be advantageous, and of course it is, 
to see occasions like Christmas and, and the other um, pagan holidays of, of the neo-Christian, well, well, un-Christian calendar like Thanksgiving and, and um, other days, Easter, which is really when we should celebrate Passover, right, or right around that time. Well, we should see these holidays, and especially Christmas, as, as an occasion to witness to the truth rather than as an opportunity to somehow prove that we ourselves are more holy than our kith and, and kin. We, by not practicing, by, by refusing to commune with our brethren, on their holidays, that's how I should put that, uh, on their feasts, it, isn't that like a ritual in reverse what, where we're abstaining to, to, to prove ourselves by works? And, and that's how I see that. that. That's how I see that abstention. But by, by, by staying away and shunning your brethren on, on their holidays which aren't interfering with, with our um, love for our God, you are basically trying to prove yourself more holy than they are through your deeds. And, and we know an identity that that attitude, it, even if it's kind of like reverse Phariseeism because it's not doing something to prove yourself, well, well it's still wrong. Many of the people who adhere to the true Christian faith, as it is found in, Christian, in, in Scripture, I'm sorry, I can't see today, as those who associate ourselves with one form or another of Christian identity see it, have come to understand the errors of our ancestors. Well, we understand their pagan ways. We understand where they went wrong. We understand that they abandoned Yahweh, their God, and our God. And therefore, it's natural for Christian identists to despise Christmas and, and some of those other Catholic holidays as, as pagan holidays. And, and we have good reason to do so, because Christmas and many of the things associated it, with it clearly have pagan origins. But the Winter Festival has been a de facto part of our culture for thousands of years now. In Old England, it was the Yuletide Festival, right? In spite of its complete absence from Scripture. And because of this, it is traditionally a principal gathering time for most white families. And in fact, often it's the only time of the year in which many white families take an opportunity to gather at all. And if you are in the position that many people in Christian identity find themselves, the rest of your family celebrates Christmas with all of the usual holiday fervor, fervor excuse me, and including all of the commercialism and, and all of the pagan trimmings. It is fully evident from Scripture that Christ was not born in December but sometime during the end of what we would call September, that time of the year at which the Old Testament Feast of Trumpets occurred. And he was actually born a couple of years before the year in which our popular chronology places his birth. 
A few hundred years after Christ, the Roman Church adopted the ancient pagan winter solstice festival for its own purposes. And, and some of those purposes were good, and I'm going to discuss that, even though the paper that I wrote on this topic this year doesn't discuss that. There's no doubt that the Winter Festival is a pagan holiday. It was a pagan holiday celebrated among the Greeks as Bacchanalia, and among the Romans as Saturnalia. It was a time of drunken revelry and sexual promiscuity. There's no doubt. Bacchus was actually the Greek god of wine, and women would go off into the forests on the Feast of Bacchanalia and, and um, do unmentionable things with, with other creatures, male and female. Examining the pagan origins of what we now call Christmas, We find, for instance, the so-called Christmas tree described in Jeremiah chapter 10, written nearly 600 years before the birth of Christ. And I'll quote from Jeremiah 10.3, For the customs of the people of vain, for one cuts a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen, with the axe. They deck it with silver and gold. That's our Christmas tree, there's no doubt. They fasten it with nails and hammers, that it move not. Today we have stands, right? They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not because they must needs be born. They need to be carried. Because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither also is it in them to do good. In other words, the, the ritual of the decorating of the Christmas tree is absolutely vain. It's for nothing. It's for naught. This is but one of the pagan customs which our Scythian Israelite ancestors took out of Mesopotamia when they departed. Let me talk a little bit about gift-giving. During the Saturnalia festival in Rome, every man, and, and every man had a patron, a, 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 an elder in the city that looked out for him, you know, a politician, sort of like a political patron. And, and every man would take a gift into the home of his patron during the Feast of Saturnalia. This is described, I believe, by Livy in his History of Rome. I think that's where I read it. And he would leave the gift by the hearth. And he would leave. And it would be more or less um, anonymous, I believe. But he left the gift by the hearth of his patron, and he left. With no fanfare. The doors were kept unbarred during that holiday for that purpose. So, so we see the, um, the, the idea of the stockings on the chimney in, in the gifts left by the hearth of patrons in ancient Rome. There, there are many other pagan aspects of Christmas. But one thing Christmas did, well, one thing the Christianizing of the pagan festival did was this, and, and this is another aspect, and I didn't talk about it in my paper this week, but it's another aspect with, which Christian identists miss, and they miss it totally. Yes, we blame the Catholic Church for paganizing Christianity because they adopted pagan traditions, and they took a pagan holiday, the, the winter solstice holiday, and they, they, they kind of plastered 
a facade of Christianity over it. And um, what we in identity, Christian identities, usually see that as a bad thing. And, and it's not really a good thing. I won't admit that it's a good thing. However, Christianizing anything can't hurt, harm it. it. It can only make it good. And I'll talk about that at the end of this paper. That the um, at the end of this discussion, that the thing that Christian identists fail to understand is that the winter solstice festivals were highly immoral, that they were drunken, um, debauched, week-long festivals of revelry and promiscuous sex. They were all about greed and, and, and lasciviousness. And, and um, the Christianizing of the winter festival cleaned it up. It cleaned it up and it made it moral. So, so that was the good aspect it had. And, and people in Christian identity that condemn the Christianizing of, of Christmas, well, which I don't think the original intent was to lead to the paganizing of Christians, even though that was the outcome, I, I don't think that the Christianizing of, of the Winter Festival was bad at all because it put an end to a lot of the immorality that was going on during those festivals, which now we see a little bit of at New Year's. But the pagans that can never really come around to Christianity 365 days a year, they're going to have their time of, of weakness, and there's nothing that Christians are ever going to do about that. Only Yahshua Christ himself will one day straighten that out. So in spite of all this, in, in spite of Christmas and, and its pagan origins and all of the pagan trappings, uh, I find myself at times wanting to defend Christmas. But really only because the Jews and all the other enemies of Yahshua Christ are continually attacking Christmas. And they do this even in spite of the fact that Jewish merchants and bankers profit so handsomely from it. So this is the perennial struggle which I referred to at the opening of this discussion. But if we look at it in a proper perspective, it really need not be a struggle at all. 1 John 4.21 says, In this commandment we have from him, meaning Christ, that he who loves God loves his brother also. We in Christian identity should be well aware of the prophecies which Yahweh himself had uttered concerning our people, that there are those who would slumber, and there are those whom he has called into awakening in his marvelous light. The truth of the gospel and the covenants. We who are called to understand his word do not need to vaunt ourselves over our brethren who have not yet been blessed in that same manner. We have this Christian identity and, and, and covenant understanding 
as the grace of God. He opened our eyes to it. Our brethren who don't have it, that is also the choice of God, and he has not yet opened their eyes to it. That doesn't mean that we should despise them. In fact, we certainly should not. Instead, we should praise God that we have this understanding and seek not to haunt ourselves over and to ridicule our kin. God, Yahweh God and no man decides which of us awaken and which continue in that prophecy blindness. We, who claim to be awake, cannot take credit for our own awakening. <laughs> so if one can use even a pagan holiday to do good, how can that ever be evil? Was that not the example of Christ in the first place? While most Christian identities certainly would not eat the ham, and I hope they don't, and most of them may also, as they should, shun the silly tree, the made-in-China decorations, the stupid cards that are basically meaningless. And while we should shun those things, we should shun the commercial aspects of Christmas, because they only profit the Jew, and the Jews promote those things so that they can take advantage of our good nature and our good will. But we should certainly not shun our kin. We should reject the commercialism which the Jews profit some from so handsomely. But we should also reject that same commercialism the entire year. We shouldn't just reject commercialism because it's Christmas. Christians should always reject commercialism. We should always reject the usury-based consumer economy and the idea of going into debt to, to increase your own status superficially or to please others superficially. Rather, we should celebrate and cherish the little time that we get with our families all year long, which often is only at Christmas. For many of us, that may be the only time we see them. I know that's true of me and, and many of my cousins. Therefore, we should not despise our kin, even if they know nothing about those things which we esteem to be true. And rather, this is also an excellent time to testify to that truth. In John 8, John chapter 8, verses 22 and 23, we find this, and I quote, Then there was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Joshua walked about in the temple on the porch of Solomon. The Feast of Dedication, that wasn't one of the Old Testament feasts, but Yahshua was in the temple. The Feast of Dedication, also called Hanukkah, was instituted by the Maccabees after the restoration of the temple about 150 years before the birth of Christ. After the temple had been spoiled by the Greeks of Syria. 
the Seleucids came and, and just, they wrecked the temple, they sacrificed a pig on the altar, and, and um, ripped off a lot of the, the, the accoutrements of the temple. And they were defeated by the Maccabees, who rebuilt and, and repurified the temple and cleaned it up. When they cleaned it up and reinstituted the, um, the sacrifices in the temple, then they announced this new feast. And from there on in, it was sacrificed. It, it was celebrated, I'm sorry, as Hanukkah. Now, now, today, it's absolutely vain for the Jews to celebrate this feast. I, I mean, I know they call it the Festival of Lights today, but it's the same feast as the old Feast of Dedication of the Temple, and, and it's absolutely vain for them to celebrate this feast since it was instituted at the reopening of the Second Temple after it was closed for several years, and, and um, that Second Temple has long been destroyed, right? It's gone. So, like Christmas, the Feast of Dedication is a holiday instituted by man and not by God. Yet, Christ was found in the temple during the Feast of Dedication. And he wasn't necessarily found there because he was celebrating it. It's fully evident to me that he was found there because that's where his people were gathered. And if your family, if your king gather for Christmas, you should be there. You don't have to sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all the other trash the Jews have sold us so that they could sell records and trinkets and, and cards and garbage. But you should be there. Yahshua was teaching in the temple at the Feast of Dedication. And although the religious authorities were opposed to him, John tells us in, in um, chapter 8, verse 30, that upon his teaching, many of the people believed in him. So he took some um, a man-made institution and he made something good out of it, right? We can indeed go to our family gatherings on Christmas. And every other chance that we get... And while we certainly should not go into debt for those unnecessary things which the Jews try to sell us, and we certainly shouldn't enrich the Jewish merchants by buying all their stupid trappings, we can and we should use those times to testify to the truth of the gospel at every opportunity. You know, as Paul said of his speaking at his trial in Rome, even though the context is very different. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, Paul said of his trial in Rome that after he had testified, that some indeed, even because of envy and strife, proclaimed Christ. Yet some also, through approval, are proclaiming Christ. Some out of love, knowing that Paul was sent, set for his defense of the good message, but the others out of contention were declaring Christ not purely supposing to stir up tribulation in Paul's bonds. 
making trouble for him. And Paul asks, what then? That in every way, whether in pretext or in truth, whether falsely or truly, Christ is declared. And in this, Paul said that he rejoiced. And that he would continue to rejoice. Christmas is a real point of contention today in society. Because, sadly, it's the only time of the year Christians talk about Christ. Just about, at least publicly. We shouldn't let the Jews steal that from us. We can't let the Jews snuff out any public mention of Christ. So whether in pretext or in truth, if Christ our Redeemer is declared, we too should rejoice. Therefore, we should not let the Jews take Christ out of Christmas. Rather, we should celebrate our Redeemer on Christmas and every other day. However, if the Christmas holiday is the day upon which we can be with our kin and our test our love for them and for Christ too, then we must certainly take advantage of it as best as we can. So to hell with the Antichrists. Transform the pagan winter holiday into a true celebration of Christ. Let your kin learn from your good example. And in the meantime, pray for his return, because he can straighten everything out, and we sure as hell can't. We are mere men. Well, I hope that brings some understanding into this dilemma. I'm going to um, I'm going to unmute some of the Europeans that are here, and if anybody else wants to talk, you're more than welcome. Just let me know that you want to talk, so that I could turn your microphone on. Okay. There's a few moderators in the group here that could also turn people's microphones on if if I miss one. Hello, Danny. Hello, Hello Dorcas. Hello, Taya. How are we doing today? Doing all right. Good to, good to hear everything. Good to hear you. Good to hear well, you. I hope that made some sense. Well, I have a feeling in this country that they are removing Christ from Christmas, and they're all worshipping Santa Claus. Yes, and, and that's the Jewish God of commercialism, I swear. <laughs> Christ is not mentioned at all, and it's, at getting, all. Weak, and it's getting weaker and weaker. What well, well, Likewise, that's, at that's, Easter, they're doing the same at Easter. They're now selling hot cross buns all the year round. We used to have these buns at Easter with the cross on. Maybe they were a pagan originally, but they're now selling them so we don't associate it with Easter. And 
it, it's all very clever what they're doing. They're slowly eroding everything about him from our people's memories. Yep. So I don't think. Well, well, that's why Christian identists. Well, we should know better, and 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 we, even though we understand it is a pagan holiday, we have to proactively keep Christ in Christmas. I believe that, too. <clears throat> I believe it, too. And, and not let the Jews eradicate Christ from the public uh, discussion. I, I well, well, you know, we don't have to take a part in that if we choose not to. I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't criticize anybody who did. As long as they're there with the express intent of, of spreading the word of the gospel and keeping alive the discourse of the gospel in the public eye, that then not bad cannot. Well, very. How could that be bad? How could that be bad? Right. That's exactly. They're worshipping a false messiah, even doing that. Mm -hmm. No, you're you're right, Dorcas. Uh, since I've been over here, well, I've seen big change, and especially in the last two years, big change. Not to ever hear them say Merry Christmas or anything on TV now. No, it's nothing dreadful. Really, it's really blank. But in fact, they're so anti now, it's becoming obvious. Mm -hmm. Really obvious. Um, so it's very, very... I'm not saying that one shouldn't be with their family. Um, but but you know, it's like another time of year, do you get to hear uh, uh, Christmas music or... Uh, Christian music like that over the the main channels, you know, the radio stations. Yeah, and everything. yeah. But yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I didn't. I've noticed that really, uh, real big change in the last two years. Yeah, in, in, in a few years' time, they will be saying Santa Claus instead of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Because the young ones aren't being taught. No. It, it's sad, but it is the media that speeded it all up. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, well, the New Year is controlled by the same corporations and Jews that profit, that, that, that stand to suffer a loss if they offend Muslims by mentioning Christ, and, and that profit from the commercial end of Christmas, which includes Santa Claus and, and, and Rudolph and, and all the stupid garbage that the Jews and, and Hollywood have concocted in, in the name of commercialism. Well, I, I, have, to, uh, I have to say, my dad was mentioned years, years ago that uh, he said they'll eventually blend Hanukkah into Christmas and then just remove Christmas. It'll just be yes. Hanukkah. That's what that's what they're aiming. And they're that even using the that Christmas tree as the Hanukkah tree. Yes. yes. And they're that's calling the Hanukkah the festival of lights to make it palatable yes. to yes. non-Jews. Yes. My dad's right about that. And they're eventually they'll just 
essentially remove it and it'll become their holiday, like they've done with everything yeah. of ours. So. Well, well, the idea of Hanukkah as a festival of lights is, is a false idea that's been created by the Jews because the original idea of that feast was to be the feast of the dedication of the restoration of the temple after the Seleucids had trashed it. And it was only a valid feast until 69 A.D. I mean, in 70 A.D., the temple was destroyed. How do you celebrate a temple that's been destroyed? And, and the Jews resurrected it again. I mean, I don't know if they celebrated it at all in the interim, but, but I was 10 or 12 years old when I first started hearing about this Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. <laughs> Isn't it yeah, time sure to with Esther, the book of Esther, they had a celebration in there? No, no, that was Purim. Oh, Purim. Yeah. Yeah, Right, that was Purim. Hanukkah is in the book of Maccabees. The, the Feast of Dedication, which is mentioned, which I just illustrated from John chapter 8, is instituted in the book of Maccabees. It's part of the record of one Maccabees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so as far as I'm concerned, we we should you know it's it's we we should espouse Christ and the gospel message all year long. There's no doubt. But but Christmas is the best opportunity we have to reach those of our kinsmen who who don't understand the gospel and to initiate a discussion about Christianity and Christ with them. Well, I, I don't think that one has a, a real opportunity to do that. A, because they're all around the TV and the, and the drink is going. I mean, the opportunities for discussion are practically nil. Personally. So... It's only one's example of how one behaves um, is, is what they're getting. Um, there is no opportunity to expel Christian message when they're over Christmas. Well, maybe some families can. I'm just speaking. Well, well I, I understand we all have different situations, Dorcas, but we have to create our opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Um, not to get off the subject, I, I uh, wanted to bring this up. Um, uh, when I was traveling last, uh, when was it? Last March, when I, I was flying. Well, yeah, it was February, yeah, it was February, March, flying in and out of um, uh, JFK, or, let's see, was it JFK, or, no, it was Newark Airport. They have, uh, in the Continental Airline, or this was, uh, let me get this right, this was, um, oh, let's see, Continental Delta Airlines. They had two, they have two sections, uh, 138 and 139 gate, two gates, I should say, that are, that are, um, that are clear, that they're, what do you call it, uh, uh, 
done. Uh, or opt off any either you can't uh you can't sit in those areas there. They're bordered off. Like they call it a security area. And for and it's only for Jewish people that are flying on LL airlines. Security areas they're called. You can't come into this area in town into gate uh, 138, 139, and use the restrooms there. Uh, only if you're thing on LL Airlines. That's just uh, specific for the Jewish people that travel mm -hmm. from Israel and back. They have their own section bordered off. Wow, that's discriminatory. It's called. And uh, I just, I went over to try to use the, the restroom and uh, they wouldn't let me. Danny, you cut out. What did he do? I think he disappeared. Hello, Otilia. Yes, Danny wants to hit the wrong key. Well, we'll see if he comes back. We'll give him a second and, and um... Otilia, you're in Gallo Glass. I'm, I'm turning your microphones on. If you don't want to say anything, you, you can mute your own mics. Hello. Hello, Otilia. How are you doing? Fine. I guess nothing special. Waiting for Christmas, I guess. And for the exams. Are you in Romania or in Spain? Um, no, I want to be visiting Romania. It's quite expensive to travel. Okay. Well, well, I didn't know. I don't know your situation, right? So you're in school in Spain. Okay. Uh, I'm curious. What language do you take your classes in? Well, I... I think it depends on the subject because if I study in Spanish, I take the classes in Spanish, but in history and English, of course, in English. And in, in German, we still do like um, in Spanish because we, we, we're not advanced in, in the German language. So, yeah, in, in Spanish mostly. So you take classes in English, Spanish, and sometimes in German? Um, yeah. Wow. Americans are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, you know, back when I was in Romania, I used to be in a bilingual school, and we had like, uh, what, six hours of English in, in high school in, in the last years, and that was a lot of English. So where did you learn Spanish? I'm just curious. Was it in Romania or after you got to Spain? In, in Romania, I did in high school. I like um, some classes, but I never paid attention because I never thought I might need to say in Spanish. But then I, I got to Spain and uh, I just learned it. Lots of hours studying it. And, um, well, I, I don't claim to know perfectly Spanish, but I, I can get along, you know, I, I go to university, I understand, like, everything, and it's not that hard, it's harder German, Romania, Iranian is a very hard language, also. 
Romanian, why, why is Romanian a very difficult language? I've heard that before. Well, it's, it's not like most romantic languages because um, it has like a Slav influence, although it's like 70% Latin. Its pronunciation is different. It has a lot of Slavic influence. And then it's like German. All the nouns and adjectives change according to the case, you know. You know? And the the articles which which are uh, which are not in front of the of the of the noun it's, it's after the noun and then you have like five verbs like verb conjugation in the verbs and then like eleven uh, ways to conjugate the verbs something like this and then you have like feminine masculine and neuter and uh, put the the like the the the, um, the gender you know the gender genders and um, yeah it's complex <laughs> yeah I understand that because I read Greek right and, and Greek has all those features but en- English is easy right uh, I mean it's well English is, is very easy like <laughs> English is for dummies <laughs> <laughs> well that that I think this is the main reason many people learn English it's, it's very easy. Well, well, it's easy because the adjectives don't change and, and because we don't have declensions on our nouns, well, which is um, odd compared to all of the languages. You know, I studied Latin in school and I took Spanish in school and, and um, in high school for two years. And, and I, I couldn't tell you any verbs at all outside of the present tense because I just don't remember them, right? And... and um, I studied Greek for for ten years, and and um, Greek is much much more difficult than English. It, it's crazy that there's like eighty or ninety or or maybe a, over a hundred forms of every verb. But with when when you consider the um, all of the conjugations, and, and yeah, there's easy a hundred forms of every verb in Greek. I would bet. It, it's, it, you come to identify them pretty quickly, though, once you understand the forms. Uh, I mean, I get confused sometimes between the imperfect and the aorist, and I have to look it up. But but aside from that, you you could recognize the verbs pretty quickly. Bill, I thought English was one of the hardest because we always break our rules. Well, well, yeah, we have a lot of idiosyncrasies in our language, but but it's basically a very easy language because you only have to remember um, one form of every noun, one form of every adjective. You, 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 there's no real genitive case. There's uh, there's just a um, an apostrophe s. That there's no vocative or or dative cases. That they're all the same form. We add a preposition. But but the the languages that have those cases also have prepositions. It, it's English is much less complex of a language in, in most respects. Well, I think that the the Asian languages are much more difficult because they imply this um how they are called. I don't know the, the name in, in English. It's um. It's like the representation of, of things written, you know? Well, well, I think that that language, you know, I think that the, um, yeah, you know, I say English is for dummies, but it's really not. 
And, and that's because I believe that the simplest method of elaborate communication takes the most intelligence. I mean, it might sound crazy, but, but for instance, in, in the English alphabet, well, I'm sorry, in the Latin alphabet, we can represent our entire language what was just 26 syllables, 26 symbols. What with 26 symbols, we could draw a picture of anything that we want through our language. And, and the Chinese have thousands of symbols, and that to me displays a lack of um, creativity and intelligence. Well, it's part of the best practical because I heard that, like, in Japan, you, until, until the age of 28, you are not able to read a newspaper. That's quite impractical. It's highly impractical. It, it's, it borders on, on ridiculous to have all of those, to require all of those syllables in, in order to communicate your ideas that they are um that that's impractical, it, it's inefficient, it, it's too, far more complex than it needs to be, and, and it leads to all sorts of problems with technology and, and it, with, with other applications. So to me, it's very uncreative and very unintelligent. Well, to me, English is, is a very, like, um, it's a language where you can express yourself like very easy, fluid, and um, and, and it's very nice to read like book in English because it has many many words and and they, it sounds good. I don't know. Well, well, to me, the simplicity is, is, and and the ability to um, to describe all of the thoughts that that have been manifested in English and, and to, to describe them simply and easily is the beauty and intelligence of the language, right? Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, all, all of the Indo-European languages are far above the, the other languages of the world in, in those respects. But I think that the simpler the rules and, and the better and, and we can express I'm, I, anything we want in, in, a, in, in a small number of words and phrases with only 26 symbols, and that's amazing. I, I found the, the like, um, the, the language spoken in, in Africa by tribes, I found them very primitive. When I listen in the, in the streets to black people, like, it sounds so primitive, it, and they have, like, strong noises. I don't know. It's um, it, it, it's very different from from like Indo-European languages. They're more fluid and like more musical than than their languages. And they make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the the African languages are just animal languages, the click languages, and 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 the things that they have. That they're basically just. Advanced animal languages, they're not human languages. Not by any means.
Well, what do we have here today? We have to have something else here today. I think Danny just um, blew up. Uh-oh, he, he needs to be unmuted. Danny, what happened? You had a thought, and, and we all lost Holy it. I'm, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> uh, I didn't see you come back. You were gone. You were here, and you were gone. And and I waited a few seconds, and until you and I started talking about language, because um, yeah. yeah, you disappeared. <laughs> oh, here all this time, I wasn't looking at my... Uh, my dot there, so. Um, oh well, well, I have all these, um, all of these channel moderators that that can help me out, and none of them turn your mic on. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, uh, I was, I don't know how much you heard of it when I was traveling. I was telling you about the security area there at the airport. Did you get that? Yeah, you were talking about the special section for Jews that nobody else could enter into, and you dropped out when you said that you weren't even allowed to go to the bathroom in that section, well, which is absolutely discriminatory. I mean, how do they know if you're a Jew or not? Yeah, they, uh, yeah, it was just, they're called security areas, and, um, uh, you, you know, LL Airlines, you know, I guess if you're traveling to Israel, uh, you know, you have to, you've got your own special, I thought that was probably very discriminatory, especially against us Christians, you know? <laughs> Well, well, I, I mean, um, there's plenty of business in New, in, in New Jersey airports for Jews flying to Palestine, I'm sure. Yeah, that's right, that is in New Jersey. Yeah. But, uh, I, I was amazed, you know, we've got to that now where they're, uh, you know, they just keep exposing themselves more and more and more, you know, and that, uh, that video, video you have, uh, Bill, about the Jews complaining about about all the blacks in, in, uh, in Israel. That, that's amazing, and that's amazingly hypocritical, isn't it? Yeah, I, I wonder why they put that up there. I wonder if they did that. Is that just to make it look like they're not racist over there, or what? Well, well, I don't know, but not all Jews are on the same side, right? But I had to post it. Uh, I had to post it. Uh, quite amazing. You know, it. it it's, it's like uh, the gun gun laws. You know, they want to take our guns away from from the people here, but over there in Israel, I, I mean, you know, there's no way that the Jews are going to give their guns up. You know, no. Such uh, two-faced. Uh, it's like that interview that I had there with uh, Rabbi Mir Kohen, and he come out of the same thing. I mean, the, the people, especially these uh, born-again Christians and all this, if they don't believe these Jews feel this way, just uh, you know, listen to what that uh, that rabbi said, that Mir Kohen, that devil. He comes right out and says that, you know, everybody else is lower than a Jew, you know. For one Jew, like, it's 10,000 uh, glam have to die or whatever like that. Well, well, right. The town is all full of disgusting things. And, in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to hopefully write another piece um uh, another article this week, and that's because um, there have been 85 arrests so far this year, 
of Orthodox Jews caught up in pedophilia wow. in in Brooklyn, New York, and it doesn't make the natural it, it doesn't make the national news at all. Right. But but what we have is um, what what's making headlines is the last ditch operation to catch Nazi war criminals by, by the Wiesenthal Center. Mm-hmm. Germany reopens investigations in the Nazi death camps. Online, CNN News. It, it, it's um, it, it's over and over and over again. Every every time, what we get a rash of, every time there are major Jewish crimes perpetrated by Jews, that they get no media coverage at all, and, and we're bombarded by stories like, and, and this came off of AP, that this came off of Associated Press two days ago. New Nazi hunting drive launched. <laughs> and not one word about the, these 85 Orthodox Jews arrested for pedophilia and, and indicted for pedophilia. Hypocrites. Well, well, absolutely, but it's all it, it's all smoke and mirrors. Every time you... Here's another one, and I have to look into this shit to see who's behind this. And, and this is a month old, right? York County, Pennsylvania, judges and officials conceal long-running pedophilia prostitution ring centered in York County Courthouse. Right smack in the courthouse. And, and the judges and the officials concealed it. And heads should roll. Did that go anywhere? Or did that make national headlines? I, I don't think so. Yeah. The, the Brooklyn pedophiles. The Talmud permits these Orthodox Jews, it, well, well, it permits all Jews, to, to um, have sexual relations with children uh, even three years old. Yeah. And, and it's explicitly permitted in the Talmud. And these Orthodox Jews, that they believe this is part of their religious belief that they could do this. I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't all practicing pedophilia. Of course. And, and and we don't hear about that at all on a six o'clock news. It, it's repulsive. And and every time we get a lot of Jewish crime and and people start getting busted, what well, we have the Wiesenthal Center and you know launch a press release for a new Nazi hunting drive because we have to get all those evil Nazis. It's incredible. Um, here's a website. Um Come in here, Doctor. It has the Talmud all in it. Right. Israel Elect actually hosts that also. Uh, uh, I've even yeah. been thinking about hosting it. Yeah. But, you know, well, if anybody's interested, I know Come in here. Dot com with Elizabeth Dillon and her uh, breakdown of the Talmud. Very interesting. It's need uh, uh, if you want to study into that. And uh, get their information, uh, especially with these uh, <clears throat> these Christian uh, born again Christian people. You know, they worship these Jews, these Christian Zionists, and take it right out of their Talmud. Here it is, right in English. Well, well, speaking about the assault on on Christmas, I have another article here that um. 
uh, I was asked to talk about, and, and it, it's worthy of mention. I posted it on the Saxon Messenger, and, and this is entitled, I Won't Be Shopping at Tesco This Christmas. Tesco, it's, it's the, the big department store over there in Britain, right? Oh, yeah. Big grocery store. Yeah, kind of like the British Walmart or, or the British Sears. Tesco's head of research and development has said that Christians are evil for opposing homosexual marriage. That, there you have it. I mean, that's the bottom line, is that all perverts hate Christianity. And Christianity, society has changed its laws to, to um, accommodate perverts and to accommodate criminals. The comment was made by Nick, Nick Lansley, the head of R&D for Tesco.com. It appears on Mr. Lansley's profile page on the photo-sharing site Flickr.com, where he lists his employment as head of R&D at Tesco.com. He adds, I'm also campaigning against evil Christians. And, and then there's a parenthetical statement. That's not all Christians. Not that, that's not all Christians. Just bad ones. That that's as foolish as the idiots that think that they're all Jews aren't bad, right? Who think that gay people should not lead happy lives and get married to their same-sex partners? Well, well, that's what Christianity is. That that gay people can't do that. That that homosexuals can't participate in in those disgusting practices in our society. And, and once you give an inch, well, once you come up with the attitude that it doesn't matter what men do behind closed doors, that, that, that's the crack in the dam, right? That, that's the crack in the dam, and, and give it a couple of years and the valley's flooded. There is no doubt. And, and now the, the, the dams have, have cracked long ago. The, the dams cracked back in the 50s, and, and all of those valleys are flooded. And here we have it. Now, now they could boast about these things in public and and, um, and and glory themselves in it. It has also emerged that the supermarket giant is selling a juice drink degradingly called, uh, I don't know, it's P star 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 Y. I tried to look it up. There's a link here that's, that, that's supplied, but the link, you have to sign up at Tesco to see the link, and, and I'm not signing up, right? <laughs> According to this Tesco website, sales of the drinkers supporting Cancer Research UK with a limited edition can exclusive to Tesco with five pence from each sale going back to the cha charity for its life-saving research. But in November, the company faced criticism for dumping its support of the Cancer Research Race for Life and sponsoring London's Gay Pride Parade instead. <coughs> So, so this is, our, our major corporations are, um, I mean, it's been going on for years here, and people still shop at them. Uh, I mean, Anheuser-Busch and, and McDonald's Corporation, they've been supporting gay pride events mm -hmm. and, and um, things like that for, for yeah. decades, and, and people still eat there. People still keep going. Christian families still go to those restaurants. Um, rednecks drink Anheuser-Busch beer, they drink Budweiser beer, and, and Anheuser-Busch gives millions of dollars every year to gun control movements and, and to gay pride events and, and supports all of that, and Christians just keep drinking this well. And, and they shouldn't be buying it at all. Well, I like, uh, I like, uh, Anhe or, um, not Anheuser-Busch, but Adolf Coors, 
the father, uh, for years, they were, uh, the government was after him because he would not hire majorities. And uh, <clears throat> they said, well, if you, you don't hire majorities, I call them majorities because well, there's a whole bunch of them outside of America compared to the inside of America. But anyway, so they uh, ate off. Or, or higher ones, right? Term, and uh, they said that if you don't hire, or, you know, you don't hire so many um, minorities, we're going to find you. But he said, well, you know, how much is the fine? So he paid the fine for years. But they finally got to him, uh, and they got the K and the U on the product now, on the Coors beer. Um, <clears throat> you know, that little uh, rabbinical sect that goes around, you know, threatening people when they got to put their K or U on their, on their product. Well, they finally got the Coors, and they, they gave in. So... <clears throat> they were pretty much a right-wing outfit, but they gave in. Well, we keep buying it no matter what those companies yeah. do. Uh, American and European consumers generally keep buying their swill. If you like beer, make your own. Don't have to buy off them. Well, well as long as these corporations know that we're going to keep buying them, that they know they they can get away with anything. That there's no accountability for their actions because consumers don't hold them accountable. Yeah. Now there's another. There's a couple other stores over here that's ASDA. ASDA is a uh, big uh, grocery market over here. Um, <clears throat> they're like competition with Sainsbury. Sainsbury's another one for other people out there that. Uh, on a switch. <clears throat> Just a little aside. Tesco uh, is made up of two words. He named it after his wife when he first started. Her name was Tessa. His mm. surname is Cohen. Tessa Cohen. Oh. That's, that's how they got Tesco. Is that so, right? so it's a Jewish company right from the start. Wow. Yeah. And and we should expect them to be anti-Christian and and in favor of all sexual deviancy. Mm. Uh, I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah, they have another one over here as the ASDA. Yeah, okay. I noticed um, now. When they first moved in over here, a lot of their signs, most of their signs are all white people. Now they're starting to end, they're integrating their signs. But the, uh, first they give you the Indians, and then they, you know, they save the blacks for later. You know, <laughs> get everybody the Indians, and then they put the black blacks in there. So. Well, I haven't looked into it yet, but I heard that they released Emma West. I, I wrote a couple of paragraphs on her today for the editorial for the next Saxon Messenger. Mm -hmm. I, I contrasted her to Danny O'Shea, who, who's um, the white man that was killed by a, a, a gang of Negroes, of blacks. Mm -hmm. And, and um, that they, they, they put three of them in, that they locked up three suspects and let them all go on bail. 
So, so Danny O'Shea's murderers are walking around the streets, and, and Emma West was in prison for simply just talking. It, it's absolutely incredible. But this is definitely your animal farm, and, and um, the, the animals are taking over the farm. There's no doubt. Well, well, she deserves it. Uh, I mean, she probably didn't really mean think that her um her her words were going to be recorded and go viral on YouTube, but she surely yeah. deserves the praise. Yes. But did you see all those animals around her? They were just if if that uh, if her son wasn't in sitting in his lap, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, they would have they would have tore her up. Did you see that one animal next to her? He just couldn't wait to just punch her, you know. Just well, well, I think there's something more to it, you know, because I've never seen the ne- the, the the Negroes care for a white child either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really think it was a white child that was stopping them. Uh, I really don't. I, I think that the hand of God was there. But the um. Well, the, the real story, the, the real story I saw in that video was the other whites on that tram coddling the Negroes. Yeah. That, that's the real story there, and, and that's just sick. That shows you how, how uh, this is a sickness, that these two white women were, were coddling this Negro like he was some kind of hurt dog. Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, the, and that's what, what I, I, I um, found most striking about that video, and that's what I remarked on. I was surprised that he just didn't attack him. Usually blacks will do that. They'll just attack it because, see, it's okay. You notice even in the, in the media, it's, it's okay for that. To, that's acceptable. It's acceptable for whites to be beaten by blacks you know, in the public eye. Right. That's okay. Uh, I remember Reginald Denny, uh, a white man, a truck driver, uh, right after <clears throat> right after Rodney King's verdict, uh, what the police, the, the four police officers got off. Uh, well, I mean they they were uh, acquitted, and uh, the blacks rioted. I think this was the night in, in in Los Angeles. Oh, I remember it. Happened to be driving through Watts. And on Florence and Normandy in Los Angeles, which is a really bad gang area, and they drug them out and they beat them right in front of everybody. The camera, uh, there was a helicopter that uh, that was uh, recording the whole thing. I remember it. Kept the camera on it, and we watched this guy get beat to death, almost to death. He didn't die, but they just beat him to, and um, you know, the whites were just. I was down in Seal Beach when it happened at that time, and we were all watching it, and you could hear the whites just going, those, you know, so-and-so animals, those animals, you know, it was like the first time that they've ever seen anything with black people doing anything like this, right on, right on live on TV. <clears throat> they all just, uh, it was just a good taste of what's coming. Any of those whites that live around that area. So. But, uh, you know, it's like accepted. It's okay to beat the white people to death. All right, but boy, don't touch Stephen Lawrence. I mean, I, I heard about Stephen Lawrence again today. 
that black yeah. guy, that black kid that got murdered uh, or got killed over here uh, 13 years ago or something like that. And they brought him up again today. I just can't get over it. How many white victims of black crime have they brought up 13 years later? Well, I mean, like I said. Uh, I can't think of one. No, uh, three, three weeks later, three weeks after that, uh, Stephen Lawrence, I don't know if Tia or Curtis remember, but there was a white cop, a police officer, or Bobby, as you call him, and he was beat to death by uh, a couple of dingers, because that's what they are, and um, <clears throat> nothing was ever said. Nothing was ever brought up again about this, this uh, white cop, and uh, he had three children, beat to death in the streets, and nothing. I used to black. Nothing ever said about it. Well, you know, when there's a black and white crime, that, that's called diversity. That's good for the society, and that shouldn't make news because it, it will, like, um, uh, uh, like disrupt the image, the glorifying image of diversity. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, what, when you have niggers killing uh, a white guy, that just shows progress. Yeah. That's modern. It's acceptable. Whites accept that. It's okay. It just burns. It just boils my blood. My uncle was beaten out in the street by a bunch of them, and uh, you know, it's like an accepted thing. Not with me. Well, well, yeah, you know Ezekiel sixteen twenty five, and, and thou hast opened thy feet to everyone that passed by and multiplied thy whoredoms. That's what we've done. We spread our legs for all the other, all these other nations to, to um, if you want to call them nations, beast is more like it, and, and it's a matter of prophecy, and and it's absolutely true. It's what we've done. Yeah, and, and unless we repent. There may not be in England. There may not be in America. I don't know how bad things have to get before um, Yahweh decides to have mercy on our people, but uh, it, they're pretty bad. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for those uh, poor white people that have to live live around these people, you know, that uh, that are stuck, financially stuck, and can't get out of it, you know, and then I'm sure... So you know, the boy comes home with black eyes and everything and just get attacked because they just attack you. <laughs> and you know, I, know. I, just, I just heard a story where, where a, liberal was, a liberal was hit by, you know, uh, some, some gangsters. And he wouldn't accept that the, the reality, he would just continue to, um, to think that it was like, it wasn't a hate crime, it was just a crime. And... He was angry because no one, like, investigated his case, and he got, like, his eardrum was, like, um, like damaged, and, and no one was punished, and it made, it made no news. But still, he didn't change his mind about, about black people. He continued, he continued the same. I mean, even if there are some people, or even if something happens to them, they, they cannot see the, the, the reality. Right. Well, well, it's um, yeah, you know, I saw something yesterday that that um, I didn't get a chance to to look at long enough to comment upon, 
at, at length, but um, Nick Grissom gave a pretty decent speech, I thought, in Sweden. He oh. seemed to have a little more um, backbone than usual. Mm-hmm. And I just saw it for the first time last night, and I'm probably going to watch it in full tonight or tomorrow and post it on the Saxon Messenger site. I, I downloaded it. He, he was talking about all of the um, black-on-white crime, and in, in not only in England, but across Europe, and, and it's an epidemic. And whites have to wake up to this, that this is not immigration. This is an invasion, and they are here to take what you have. Right. Well, whether it be phys- your, right. your, your back end or, or your property or what, that, that's what they're here for. Yeah. It's, a, it's an invasion. It would be an invasion. A- any other people in any other time and place would recognize this as an invasion. Anybody else, any European nation of the past would see this as nothing but an invasion. And today, because our people are fooled by the Jewish media, we think this is immigration and this is good. And that's the voice of Satan. And that's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible that the Jews have been able to do this and and fool so many of our people with this pure satanic propaganda. And and it's destroying every white nation. And and most of our people are are like those people on that tram. For every one Emma West, there's three or four people that will side with the beast right away. And and then a whole bunch of others that will just stand by and watch. And and that's exactly what was going on on that tram. Well, that's what happened with my uncle. He got out of the car and trying to break up. This was back in 1964. And he was a good good policeman. You know, he knew a couple of them that were involved in this and this this uh gang there. He made the mistake of getting out, like my dad was saying, and you didn't have your gun out. He got out because he recognized a couple guys and then they kinda opened that little circle and he walked in the middle and they just but he didn't die right then, but a couple years later he, he passed away. And they said it was from from the beating because he was beat so bad with bars and everything, and uh, here was a yeah. he was a good he was a good police officer. Well, well, just because you know a few of the Negroes don't mean that you should ever walk amidst them and trust them. Uh, I mean, does the zookeeper walk into the gorilla cage? That's what my dad said. <laughs> my dad, well, usually they don't live to tell about it as they do, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've seen the ones, because I always hear from people, especially over here, well, you know, there's good and bad in all these races. Well, well, that's a lie, because if there were good blacks, that they would be after the bad blacks all the time, and they're not. They're only out for themselves, period. They're only out for themselves, and they always stick together. Like I said, I saw the, I saw the Christian... Born again Christian blacks, you know, Baptists going to church. I saw them uh, on our tables at work, crying and clapping everything when O.J. Simpson got off. Of course, all of them because they beat the man, and and to them the man is white, and they don't like white laws. They don't like living by the rule of law. They don't have it in their spirit to live by the rule of law. They don't understand punishment for crime. 
They always rebel against punishment for crime. They don't understand crime. When a a Negro does something bad to you and and gets away with it, he thinks in his mind, ha ha, I got that off. I did that. I beat that. Well, that's because the 430 years of slavery and all that, whatever, they bring up safety. Yeah, right. That there's no excuse six generations later that they've had every opportunity and that was the gist of my Philadelphia article, what was they've been given every opportunity to every opportunity in this country to succeed, and they fail, and they still fail, and they will always fail. The only time they look like they succeed is when they're given $8 million a year to run a ball around the field, and then they still fail because most of them are broke by the time they retire. Yeah. <laughs> the Jews have stolen it all off them by, by the time they retire. Yeah. Look at they did to Joe Lewis. Like my dad was telling me, they fleeced him really good. But, uh, you know, that's another thing. You know, of course, you don't follow sports, but I noticed in sports, uh, nothing's ever, in boxing, you never about Rocky uh, Marshall. Uh, as being the greatest heavyweight champion in the world, I know you don't, you know, you don't follow sports, but I notice now that all the sports figures, all the the greatest, they're all black. Well, well, that's uh, what the Jew wanted to do was set up idols, uh, idols for for white Americans. That's right. They're all black. Forty nine and zero, never lost a fight, a heavyweight champion, and you hear nothing about him at all. All you hear about is uh, Cassius Clay <clears throat> and, uh, you know, George Foreman and all these other black uh, fighters. But you hear nothing about Rocky Marciano, just for an example. But, you know, they said they were going to do that in the, they were going to do that in the protocols. Absolutely. They elevate the black men in, in sports and entertainment and 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 the average white home every night has some kind of sporting event on on the TV screen that that um glorifies Negroes. Yes. Yep. Everything in uh, in soccer over here now. It's, it's and and you watch Negroes on TV for for twenty years, and your daughter brings home a Negro. How do you tell her no? Daddy, I brought home one of your idols. Yeah. Yeah. How do you say no? You have no models standing whatsoever to tell her no. Right. Yeah, they uh, they have corrupted everything in in anything and everything and all things. Seems like it's corrupted now. Just think how much has been changed in one generation. Because I was seeing an interview like time some time ago. Some like old Spanish people said that they do not believe in multiculturalism. They think there's something bad with it. And now what? All what all teens and what young people think is a great thing. In just one generation, things have changed like radical. Well, they. Uh what was it last month over here in Belfast? There were three girls that were raped. I didn't hear anything else about it. Um, couldn't find any information about it. And to me, it's, it was probably a 
probably a non-white that did it. Normally, if it's a white man, you know, they'll put him up. They'll put his face up on the whoever did these rapes. But they don't follow up on a lot of those crimes because they don't want people taking notice of them. No. Um, you know, just like like I predicted, because I've seen it happen before, and Bill, you know that. When they move into your cities and stuff like that, move into your towns, you know, crime starts going up and raping your young girls and oh. Like that uh, video, uh, that uh, uh, documentary they had there, uh, Tia and Torx, remember it was called um, Sex Gangs, Britain's Sex Gangs? Yeah. Yeah, you remember that? And uh, how many, uh, these Muslims and stuff were getting these white girls and, and yeah. at, at 10 years old, 11 years old, yeah. taking them out, these poor, you know, the poor type of girls and come from poorer families and everything and, and giving them all these <clears throat> buying them all these clothes and extravagant life that was in, you know, in Bradford by the way never that well that's when, when um, white men should get together and if they fail to get together then, then the that that girl's blood or the next girl's blood is on the hands of white men. Yeah. Yeah, you know if you have a if you have a, a wolf running around your house and he's eating your kids, wh whose fault is it? The wolf's or yours? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have a responsibility to your children to remove the wolf. Uh. I don't know exactly where in this in this documentary it was, but they had one uh, one of the Indian guys saying that they don't worry about what's going to happen to them because the, all they have to do is call their racism. Racism. Mm. White men won't do it. The white men won't do a thing. They bear, they dare not to do a thing. He said. <laughs> That's the logical argument. Racist, nasty, xenophobic, yeah. very logical. <clears throat> in America, after the uh, after the Civil War, they had the Reconstruction period, and this was the rise of the Ku Klux Klan, and that's the reason why you had the Ku Klux Klan. Well, well, that was white men living up to their obligation to defend their communities. Yeah, and this is what's going to happen. Has to happen here because you can't depend on the police over here. They got their hands tied. They can't do anything. So you can't depend on the police anywhere. No. And they tell you. They tell you they can't help you. I really wonder. I mean, all this police is run by white men. I really wonder why they're not with the population, not and why they're against it. Mm. Strange. Yeah. Well, look at the police department over in Los Angeles. A lot of Mexicans now. A lot of Latin Americans. All oh, right, they're getting preferential hiring treatment. And they're and they're pouring. They're just high. That's all they're hiring is these people. Um, and that's the reason why they get away with everything. 
I walked through Washington and and um and, and Philadelphia. That there was the, the Smithsonian in Washington. I saw about three dozen security guards in, in one museum, and only one of them was white. Yeah, one of them. It's happening back there too. I don't know what like Americans think think of Europe, but most Europeans of America like this great nation, like everyone is happy and it's like um, mm-hmm. it's uh, a multicultural life where everyone gets together and and mm-hmm. like, they they have this impression that America is like it was before and. I, I'm, I'm sure they, they do, do not smell the inside, you know, that it, it's coming down. Uh, what, what are the general, like, um, opinions upon Europe, like, on America who, who think that Europe is, this, like, white homeland or... Right, or right. Well, they, just like the Jewish woman said there, that... Uh, there were gonna. There's not gonna be any more white culture. There's not gonna be any more <coughs> white or white Spain or white Germany or white Ireland. You know, it's gonna be multicultural. And, but now they're saying that they're having a little more trouble with Europe. <laughs> they're just not accepting it as they would as they would like. Well, well, they better rise up against it. They better stop it. They, they better force their governments to stop it. Right. Hey, do, do Americans, like, common Americans realize that Europe is being invaded by, by non-whites? No, they don't. Most Americans don't realize it. Most Americans don't realize that America's been invaded by Mexicans. And they're bringing over tons of, you know, thousands and thousands of blacks here, too, from Somalia. But but they bring them over quietly, and they, they dump them in quiet corners of the country, like Minnesota and Maine, and, and that, where, where there's very few, you know, the population is sparse, and there's very few people that would object to it. And, and Minnesota and Maine happen to be very liberal areas, because in America, where there are all whites, liberals thrive. Right. Yeah, you know, that's the natural. It, it's New Hampshire, right, Vermont, Maine, Massachusetts, uh, states with very low minority, well, minority, I shouldn't call them minorities, that's ridiculous. The, you know, populations, liberals have, have always prevailed. Liberalism has prevailed in the minds of the people, and, and those people are, are more or less programmed not to see anything wrong with a, a Somalian invasion in the heart of Minnesota. It, it's incredible. It's like they had uh, right after Vietnam in Westminster, California, they had an invasion of all the Vietnam. Right. In, in 1990, they took um, thousands of Iraqis and they dumped them in Oklahoma. In 1990, they took thousands of Cambodians and dumped them in Wisconsin. They took thousands of um, Cambodians and dumped them in North Carolina. That they nobody voted in North Carolina as to whether or not they wanted to be invaded by thousands of Cambodians. 
The government just does it. They supply them the housing. They supply them the food stamps and the welfare benefits and, and um, let them go to town. Well, I think uh, with the International Monetary Fund, they, they provide the money uh, to get these people set up and get them in there. Uh, somebody's taking the money. Somebody's getting the bribes and getting paid off. Uh, it's like over here in the, down in the Republic of Ireland. Those people, those elected officials all got paid off, and they let these families come in, in from, like I said before, from all over, Congo, all over Africa, and they put these black families, three, four, five families in each city and little town all through Southern Ireland. Every city you go into, they got their, they got their, uh, their black families there. I mean, who has authority and who has the power and the money to do something like this and why would you do something like this? Well, well, it's surely evident the, the Irish people let them get away with it. And they're all looking around like, gee, we don't mind a few of them, but what's going on here? And now they're getting it. Now, you know, and they organize themselves. They get in their gangs, the blacks do, and, and uh, once they get in, it's hard to get them out. <clears throat> Here, they receive, like, help also. They receive help. There was, I saw on YouTube, like, this, uh, people who received help, and most, most of the names were um, Arabic, were not European at all. And um, they, you would just walk the streets and see these Muslim women surrounded by six, four children and supermarkets. And obviously you don't see Spanish women surrounded by so many children. And I think it's very unjust of, of the system to help them and not help the Spanish people because they're Spanish, they're not Indian. Well, that, that's discriminatory, right? Well, that's on purpose, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, the things are moving from what I see. I was down in Belfast, uh, um, this evening, and, uh, um, I was really surprised. I didn't see a lot of non-whites. Maybe because of the cold or something like that. <laughs> I don't like the cold, but I was really surprised to see a lot of compared to like summertime. Well, well, there's no doubt that blacks strongly dislike the cold. Yeah, they must. They must not like it. They stay in the cold weather uh, compared to like in the time. I don't know. I, it's kind of interesting to see what happens over here because people over here in Northern Ireland, they don't call the police. If, you know, if their daughter gets raped or whatever, something like that. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I, I hope the white man can stand up. We'll see. It's going to happen. <laughs> The women over here aren't, are used to walking the streets late at night and walking with their friends and their girlfriends coming home from the pub, and they're used to that kind of freedom and security. And to have these people come over from 
you know, Africa and India and everything and just start attacking them. Interesting to see what happens here. There was well. a video on, on, sorry, on YouTube saying that uh, someone like um, from the immigration integration, something like that, in, in Sweden said that it's not the fault of the immigrants that girls get raped. It's the fault of the girls because they must uh, properly and that they should accommodate to the immigrants because and that doesn't make sense, but it's protecting the immigrants and not the poor girls who, who, who get injured. Well, well then, that, that is an, the open admission of liberalism that the immigrants are animals and they're dogs. Because you would say of a man that it's his fault for his sin, but you would say of a dog, oh, it's not the dog's fault. He just naturally does that. So you're basically, they are openly admitting that these so-called people that they're letting in from these African nations are no better than dogs. And that has to be our response to that every time. Well, immigration, or they don't check these people out. They don't check anybody, whether they're Polish or from Africa or black Africa or whatever. They don't, they don't check them. They don't check their, their background. Hey, just bring them on in. What does their background matter? Well, what does their background matter in their own countries? They're all over me, you know. <clears throat> but boy. What does their background matter in their own countries where they came from? Their background doesn't matter. They're, they're all dogs. I've had the Irish Commission, you know, tell me that, uh, well, we, we could just look, we could tell just by their look and their demeanor. That's what he told me. I said, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. But, well, I would answer him that I could tell by their looks, too. They're black, they're criminals. <laughs> it's that simple. Tay is cutting out on us. If they're black, they're animals. That's what I would have told the cop. Oh, I could tell, too. I could tell pretty good if they're black, they're animals. Well, I know some people uh, may not like that comment, but I'll tell you what. Today, I was dropping my grandson off, and I was out of the school there, walking back up to my car, and I and I smelled that stenchy smell that you find with these blacks. If you, I, I don't know if anybody's ever been in black homes or whatever. Uh, and I'm not talking about Stevie Wonder or anybody like that. I'm just talking about the regular old ghetto black person. And they got a stench about them. And I caught that stench and I smell. I thought, geez, where's that coming from? And I'm not kidding you. And there it was. This, there was this gal, that, uh, this black girl that I guess she walks to work. Uh, coming past us. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And that's same clothes that he wore, you know, like the last three or four days I've seen her. Same clothes and everything, and they're just the smell is just unbelievable. You people get around and you'll see what I'm saying. Stevie Wonder's no different. It. He just can't see where it's coming from. I can smell her. <laughs> there she was. Well, I, you know, she kind of she walked past the school. I smelled her. <laughs> <laughs> you can know the position of the enemy by just using the smell, the tactic. I'm telling you, they have a smell about them. But 
it's, it's like a high, I don't know, it's a sour type of smell. I don't know how to explain it, but it's unique. And some of these white girls, I don't know how they go with these black trucks like that. But it, it, it's an exotic flavor. It's called exotic. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how these... I don't know how these uh, white guys could go with the black woman. If that black girl, she goes with the white guy. She's had a white, she's had a white guy. Backing up with her, whatever. In, in past times, it was called bestiality, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, was our, our ancestors would just keep these invaders and we didn't consider them, and now everyone receiving them with open arms. It's ridiculous how things have changed. Yeah. That's where that's where marriage license came from. It was a white woman wanting to marry a black man. She had to get a license to do it. I heard that they had came up with that marriage license because, uh, to regulate the breeding between the slaves. And then we got tricked into it later on. Yeah, I, um... I, I heard it was in, uh, I think, around 1906, where it was a white woman wanted to marry a black man, I think, in New York. And she had to get the license, and it just kind of stuck. He thought, well, they can make some money off it. And plus, another thing, too, they can get control of your children. So it was a good way to uh, go about it. So was it as recent as that? Yeah, not, well, in America, it wasn't. Yeah, it was around 1906. I have to look it up. Well, well, the fools are the fools. The fools are the people that go along with it. The fools are the people that go along with it. There was a lot of laws in the states that prohibited uh, up until like 1967 marriage of uh, black and white. Had to change it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I can smell this. I can smell this uh, beast coming my way. It's still on the books in some places, I think, but it's not enforced. Yeah. And, and the fools are the people that go along with the marriage license. Right. It used to be, uh, my dad was telling me you just recorded it in the Bible. And a couple witnesses just wrote it in the Bible. That's how they recorded it. Well, well, at one time in white nations, all those records were kept in a local church. Yeah. They weren't kept anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It was between you and your wife and God. Right. Yes. Danny, I bet you MOS could take a good smell on that tram she was in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm telling you, it's I'll, the truth. Let's set her up. There's a smell about those people that it's unique. It's the kind of gypsies. In, in Romania, you would just feel that the gypsy is coming by the smell. When a gypsy came in, well, came into the public transport, everyone uh -huh. was 
around, you know, looking strange and open all the windows. It was a nightmare. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If stick with your kind, you'll be better off. That's all I say. I'll, I'll be right back. Well, well, of course, but even whites that know instinctively to stick with their own kind still don't base their decisions on, on immigration and, and um, the other races on, on any sort of um, common sense experience. We've seen yeah. how they act. We, we, we've observed how they act for all these years, and we still don't understand that they are nothing but destructive animals. And that's all they right. are. Martin Luther King wanted us to judge them by the content of their character, and I have judged them by the content of their character. Everywhere I see them, they are destructive, criminal beasts. They never build societies and contribute to their sustainment, to their sustaining. On the contrary, they destroy all the neighborhoods they, that they move into, that, that they suck the fat off and, and, and flee the cadaver. At, at the drop of the hat, they riot. At the drop of the hat, they plunder. They, that any excuse for looting will do. Any excuse for raping or or, or, or sexual lasciviousness is just fine with them. They they don't even need an excuse. They they just partake in in all sorts of deviant and and perverted and gross and violent acts, and and they do it naturally, and they're consistent with it. There was like. When we studied history, um, the independence, the declaration of independence, the teacher said that um, Jefferson, I think, was contradicting himself because he said all men are equal and he owned slaves, obviously. And of course, he said rag about how racist they were and all that thing, but I was thinking that in the first place, it's, I don't think Jefferson considered black people men. That's why he said all men are equal because he was referring only to white men. I'm not sure about that. Well, Thomas Jefferson didn't say all men are created equal in the sense of their capacity for civilization, in the sense of their abilities or their talents. That's not what he meant, and and the phrase is taken out a lot outside of the context. And if you take our phrases out of context, well, we all contradict ourselves all the time. If you want to allow our phrases to be taken out of context. Jefferson's, the, 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 the Declaration of Independence was a declaration of independence from the oppression of the British king and the British nobility. And the context is that all men are created equal in the eyes of the law. That is fair and just. That whether you were a commoner or whether you were a, a, a nobleman in the House of Lords, 
you should have the, the right to equal relief and treatment under the law. And that's what I meant by that. Well, she wasn't including, like, slaves in his statement. Well, well no, he wasn't. He was talking about the colonists and their treatment by King George III and, and the British Parliament, who were oppressing the colonists. And, and the colonists were, were originally all English citizens, but these, the, the British Parliament was oppressing them and, and was extorting money from them at, at the force of arms, but they weren't giving them a voice in their government. They weren't giving them a voice in their parliament. And, and if they were going to be in ta- tax, then, then under English law, they were entitled to that voice in, in the government. So, so they were being oppressed by a tyranny. And, and that's why Jefferson wrote that all men were created equal, because American Englishmen, as well as British Englishmen, had a right to, to um, representation. And they weren't getting it. Um, I have a question about the British Empire. Um, were this trade with the uh, like India and other places um, um, financed by by Jews? Yes, most of the British expansion in, in in the British Empire was financed by Jews, and and most of the British blood spilled in in order to um conquer most of the known world. What was at the benefit of the Jews. But it seems like the Jews were, like, for a long time in Britain, and uh, I, I, I tend to t- have the impression that they are, like, Western, but they they can be traced um, long, uh, in a lot of... They can be traced long in time, basically. Well, well, the Bank of England, Cromwell, Cromwell allowed the Jews back into England, and the Bank of England was founded 40, 50 years later on, I forget exactly, 1690-something. And I'm not going to say that all of the investors were Jews. A lot of those investors were wealthy Englishmen, there's no doubt. But they had cooperated and gone along with the Jews, and, and all of those British... Um, imperial ventures were all done, were, were all conducted in the name of corporatism. The Hudson Bay Company, the British East India Company, the, the, the Virginia Company. They were all done in the name of corporatism. They were all financed by, by, by investors in the city, and they all expected a profit. And whether it be the East India Company or or, or the the Virginia Company, they they were corporate ventures that expected a profit. The British Empire was fueled by the investments of the bankers of the city. So, so they practically made a lot of money and, and made the the ground of of what would be like um, future banks and all these things. Well, well, you know the British. The, the British exported civilization to a lot of places that would have never had it, and good government to a lot of places that would have never had it, and English settlements of our people to a lot of places that never would have had it. And that's, but, but that's just a side effect. 
the, the real reason for the imperialism was so that the, the, the bankers of the city could loot and pillage the wealth of, 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 of all of these places that they ventured to up. To invade, basically, and the the people that really paid for that were the the British families whose sons died in the in the wars. Yeah, just like they're doing with America. Same thing. Same thing exactly. Yeah. Afghanistan, Iran, Korea, Vietnam. It, it's all the same thing all over again. Yeah, look at all those companies that went into Iraq over a thousand. They ran a lot of those companies, the communication companies and everything like that. It was all, all Jews. In history, like, we, we like, no other, like, makes a distinction between British and Jewish. It's, it's, they're called British, you know, and I think it's, it's on purpose, of course, <coughs> like, it's a very bad mistake because it, it, it puts, like, the guilt, uh, on, on, on the British people and they are called of course we all know they are called oppressors and, and all these things but in fact behind who pulled the strings were the Jews but no one talks about this well the English people the English common people had been the victims of, of this scheme just as much as all the other white people that England has had wars against However, it, it's it's um it, it's it, it's a, a grave injustice of history because historians, mainstream historians, generally do not distinguish between the the crown, what which is the Jewish banking families of the city, and and, and the the um the throne, what which is the Queen of England, and and um. Yeah, you know her her power, but ever since the throne, ever since the queen had um become indebted, the kings of England allowed themselves to become indebted to the Jews of the yeah. city. The Jews of the city had basically run England, and all of their crimes have been conducted in the name of the English people. And at the expense of the English people, because the average Englishman whose son dies in a war doesn't benefit from any of this conquest overseas. Um, the Queen of English has um, Jewish blood in her or not? I don't think she does, but... but um, the Queen? The Queen? Oh, no, she doesn't. No, huh? I don't think... I know the Queen doesn't, but... No. Philip. Um, no, we don't know about Philip. I think he could. We don't know. Yeah. Philip should have never been royalty, but but there is some question as to whether he actually has Jewish blood. But he should not. His family should have never been a, a part of the nobility of of Europe, and that's with all certainty. Yeah. I know, um... <laughs> I, I think Charles is polluted. I, I, I'm not exactly sure how, but... 
It, it's absolutely amazing that this man could, could ever become the king of England because he is a total abomination. Who's that, William? Charles. No, no, Charles. Oh, Charles? His coat of arms is kind of creepy, mm -hmm. too. And he doesn't even look like Philip. Well, Philip doesn't have to have been his father. I mean, there's certainly a lot of questions raised over Edward and Andrew uh, and their parentage, uh, you know, their, their paternal um, side. It's thought not to be Philip. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I know it does come up about uh, common Kate. Definitely uh, Jewish than her name. Yeah, but again, where's the evidence? I haven't seen any. And if anybody's got it, they should bring it forward. Yeah. I've, I've read it. I, I've read it. Well, uh, I've, re I've read it as well, there. but I haven't seen one scrap of evidence. What is that, um... Tia, what is that company that actually handles um, the hereditary bloodlines of royals? The Brett. Is it the Brett? Mm-hmm. That would be the people that would could tell you. They would know. I wonder how you'd go about uh, <laughs> getting that information. Well, it's there. I, I mean, none of, none of it's hidden. None of it's hidden. Yeah, I would like to sit down with those guys and just open the book and let's... Well, I think it's all online. I'm pretty sure it is. Because that's where I read about uh, Kate. You know, There's all kinds of speculation in Christian identity about the Guelphs, and that would bring Victoria's bloodline into question. Mm -hmm. What we've seen Clifton, you know, address the, the problems with Queen Charlotte. Queen and, Charlotte? And, um, mm -hmm. I can't believe that she was, was poisoned. Yeah. That, it's no. She was poisoned, and the entire German and and and, and Anglo nobility is poisoned all the way back to the 1600s. It, it's just yeah. Um, yeah. And and I I come across that in lots of books. There was one published mm -hmm. recently by Andrew, um, what's his name, Carrington, and he's got all that in uh, Queen Charlotte, mm -hmm. and the whole of the British. Uh, bloodline uh, you know, of the monarchy being polluted. But that, as, as Bill says, would take you through all of Victoria's uh, you know, grandchildren, which is virtually wow. every royal house of Europe. Right. Well, well if, yeah. if, if Charlotte, you know, we, we can't, if Charlotte was polluted, she had a whole lot of brothers and sisters in, in the German noble family. And none of them have black features. But she hasn't. She, no, she doesn't. She has that wide mouth, and, and that's not necessarily a black feature. I understand that, but that's what they like to point to. Well, well if she if she has black blood because she has a wide mouth, well, well, you know something. Black blood is going to manifest itself in many more ways than just one person's wide mouth. Yeah, you'd have kings. Yeah, you'd have kings with afros and wide noses with huge nostrils. Mm. But the other photos of Queen yeah, Charlotte no. from the one that they keep using, she she just looks quite normal, and her lips don't look right. She does. She does look much better than any other in, in the other paintings. 
that than she does in that one painting that they love to illustrate. And, and it shows the bias. It, it shows that, that that painter was probably a Jew, right? It, it shows the bias that, that we, we've... Our own biases, and, and we all have personal peas and biases, but they often also come back to bite us, too. And, and because one artist apparently had this personal bias that now everybody thinks Queen Charlotte was black, and it's just a lie. It, it's just an, an incredible lie. Giving him credit would not, that does not do... <laughs> But now, you know, now, the I circumstances can't... with Philip and, and this tra- tracing her line back to this Teresa von Hawk, um, it's difficult to come up with actual documentary evidence about Teresa von Hawk. However, the, the, um, it, it's very clear that she should have never been made nobility in the first place. And, and that whole line... That, that That's whole how people came, became noble, Bill. They, they, their husbands won uh, great distinction in military victories. They were ennobled, and that's what ha- happened with Julia Falk. Yeah, yeah, but with there, it was um, a, a lot of it was simply being favored by Napoleon, too, and being on the right side of the battle, yeah. right? That, that's the way I look at it. Well, the, the Tsar was very impressed with her husband's loyalty in battle. Mm-hmm. Could you read that the Royal Houses uh, trace their roots to the Royal House of David, like genetically, the, uh, yep. the descendants? Well, I heard Queen Victoria that she went all the way back to David. Trace her line all the way, Lenny, all the way back to David. <clears throat> like I said, that 1934 movie, uh, The Prince and the Pauper, they have that in there also about the about uh, when they were getting ready to crown them. They were saying that uh, this back to King David and. They mentioned that. It was pretty it's interesting. It. But in the whole queen has documents in Buckingham Palace which show her genealogy to go back to Adam. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> and British Israel have got very good charts taking you right back. Mm-hmm. I have one of those upstairs, yeah. But I did hear that in in fact she's got the documents and it takes her back to Adam. So that was interesting. Very interesting. Well, once upon a time there was a. Um, I, I'm not doubting what you say, Judas, but once upon a time there was a a, a, a Swedish naval officer who was um, very much appreciated for for his capabilities, and and he was a Jew named Wallenberg, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just drawing an illustration that that's not always a good thing. Didn't quite catch that. Uh, I didn't hear very well. 
<clears throat> the thing about it is, as Yahweh said, that there will always be a person who will sit on the throne. Well, right. The thing that the entire um, lineage of Europe is polluted is just crazy. Mm -hmm. But I think Phil, I, I think Philip and Charles had to be looked into a little more. But uh, on um, on Yahweh's time scale, it may not matter. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Well, it, I mean, yeah. it, it's not inevitable that Charles um, actually uh, <coughs> reaches the throne. I hope he does, and I hope Elizabeth lives until she's 120. <laughs> well, her mother, her mother is to be 102. I know. And, and, uh -huh. and don't forget, they don't get vaccinated. Right. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Is that right? I didn't know that. Yeah. <clears throat> She's a smart gal. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite feasible that she, she could go on for a, a, quite a, a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Because when you, when you see her at state functions, which go on for, you know, some hours, she seems right. very bright. And, um, I, I mean, how old is she now? I've forgotten. She, 85. Right. 85. And she, and she hasn't re reduced her duties very much. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many 85-year-olds do you know who are as um, um, I'm yeah. How old was um, the Queen Mother when she when she gave up her duty? Um. Well, of course. Well, I think she well, well no, because because the Elizabeth she never had the, the the capacity of Queen. No, no, she didn't. But she, she, oh, that's um, yes. it was her, her the present Queen's father, of course, died very suddenly and right, conveniently. Elizabeth was, right. Elizabeth was coronated in the early to mid fifties. 1952. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew it was somewhere in there. I didn't know exactly. Yeah. 52, 53. But that, um, that sort of time, yeah. Because I, uh, yeah, that's that's right. She took over. What am I thinking? <laughs> she took over the duties right there. Well, that's what they probably wanted. It, it was still pretty vibrant up until like maybe the the last year. Yes, I she remember was. she was all getting around pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> there was no Alzheimer's there. Pardon me? I said there was no Alzheimer's there. No. Uh, uh, giving him the giving him the needle, as my dad would say. <laughs> I really think they do that. <clears throat> if, if she knew too, she she should she should be on the side of of her people, of her English people. Mm hmm I think well, she is, but it's it's very difficult for her to um, refuse any of the uh, legislation that she has to sign into being, and it's generally thought that she has. She's been holding back for, you know, that uh, the treaty that she she will refuse, like um, possibly, you know, one, one that's on the horizon, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, but she's always been um, a very hard-working monarch. 
and she certainly must know what's going on. Oh, I, I'm sure she knows. She knows what's going on. It, it's evident that she's, even if she doesn't like it, she's kind of powerless to do anything about it. She has no power whatsoever to do anything about it, other than to hang in there. Right. Other than to go public and try to rally her people like a real queen should. Mm -hmm. If she could, but she'd have to use the media, and the media probably wouldn't allow it. Yeah, they're just black out. People, the British people seem very fond of the royalty. I think she would have a, a, like a strong opinion. She well, she would have the people on her side. She could use the media or she could take to the streets. Yeah, yeah. You push her, you push her buttons the wrong way, she could rally. You know, the British people, they don't mess with the Queen. <laughs> right, girls? <laughs> well, we know, it's, we know it's the will of God that, that, that um, any of us are allowed to do anything, but, but it, it's, um, aside from that, it, if she really wanted to do something about it, she could. She could try. Mm-hmm. It would have yeah. she could have really... That they're all secure in their positions, right? All, all these nobility, all, all these people are secure in their positions, and, and they're not telling on the bankers and the Jews because of that. Mm -hmm. Because they love the world. Nice to but in, ter in terms of, of legislation, the last government removed the uh, many of the lords out of the House of Lords, who would all vote in favour of uh, good legislation. And they had to be removed for that reason. So they decimated the House of Lords. Uh, I can't remember how many they removed. And then they, they put in their um, lords, um, which are life, life peers, which means that that uh, period uh, ceases upon their death. <coughs> so there was, there was a very... Um, uh, patriotic uh, house. It wasn't the House of Commons, it was the House of Lords. And that's what the last government did in order to emasculate it. The Blair government? Yeah. Yeah. I thought the House of Lords was formed based on, on the Constitution. No? Well, we've always had a House of Commons and we've always had a House of Lords. Right. Um, I, I didn't imagine that the House of Commons, which is where right. the Prime Minister really sits, could reform the House of Lords somehow. I, I, that, that's beyond me. Yeah, well, 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 I, I don't think it was, was lawful, but that's what Tony Blair did. And he, he removed, I think it was something like a half of them, or it might have been even more than that. It might have been two-thirds. Of the of the lords and many of those people were patriots, and <clears throat> that they did that work wouldn't well virtually free of charge. They didn't receive salaries like the House of Commons. Well, in and history, we learned that yes. that was not democratic and had to be removed. Yeah, but it's a hereditary peerage. Yeah, these yeah. And often worked for the good of the people, whereas the houses, most of those people are bought and paid for.
just like the, the American government. Right. But they're all but, but, but in bed with the corporations that put them there. That's right. The House of Lords had a sort of steadying hand. And and it it often sent back legislation uh, that it disapproved of. Um, and therefore it was a yeah. force for it. Yeah, and they lost it, was they? That's right. Well, it's like over here, uh, I have to laugh because that Ron Paul is giving them a run for their money. <laughs> they didn't invite him to the Jewish uh, coalition meeting they had last week, or earlier this week, excluded him from their, um, from the debate, and, um, and now they're showing that, uh, they're saying, well, they hate to say it, but they're saying that he could, uh, he could pull out a victory in, in, uh, the primaries in Iowa. I just have to laugh because, <laughs> I like to see them when they get all shook up over something like that. <clears throat> Well, while well, you've got electronic voting with your diagonal mm-hmm. voting machines, they'll they're able to uh, fix the outcome very easily. Oh yeah, but uh, I like to see them sweat a little bit. You know, you get some guy out there popping off like he, like Ron Paul does. Although you know he has, uh, I don't believe a man. You know, our situation is beyond man. Anyway, healing anything or fixing anything. But uh, I I like it when they when someone stands up there and gives them a little run for their money. Does he have a chance of winning? Well, I don't know because uh, the Jews got it. They have every avenue. Every avenue, uh, you know, controlled. They like, like T was saying, you know, they do control the the voting machines. You know, they could. Uh, I don't know. It would be up to the people if the people demanded it. You know, the if the people uh, overwhelmingly uh, were involved in getting him elected, yeah. Well, well, the bottom line is we don't have a purely politi- political solution. We simply don't. Our people have to wake up to, to what's going on, and, and, and that is, you know, and, and repent of the evil that they do, and, and that's the only way, direction that we can go in positively. Mm-hmm. To, to stop embracing the world. Well, well, obviously they haven't. When when women are, are are hugging these beasts on a tram because somebody tells them the truth, that then uh, well, of course they haven't suffered enough. Yeah, we don't want to get them upset. Yeah, you don't want to get that poor black guy upset. <clears throat> yeah, and that is sickening. <laughs> well, this week, um, Oxford and Cambridge. Um, uh, issued a, a sort of guidance to suggest that people shouldn't offer to shake hands anymore with people because it might offend other cultures if you were to offer to shake hands. What? Can you believe that? Yes, it was on page of the paper today. No. 
We wouldn't want to shake their hands in. But, um, yeah, that's, mm. that's absolutely crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. Now, is, um, is that Emma West? Is she out of, the, out of prison now or out of jail? Or well, she's out, of, she, she's out of jail until she, she um, appears at, at her hearing at the magistrate's mm -hmm. court. Um, but whether she had her son taken away from her, of course, when she went into prison. Oh, uh, my and, gosh, really? Yes, he was only two. Can you imagine how traumatic that must have been for him? I mean, it was so, it was so, it was so vindictive, um, <laughs> what happened. So I'm assuming she's reunited with him, but I haven't, mm -hmm. I haven't been able to find out. We really need to support this woman. Yes, we do. We do. Because when she appears at the magistrate's court, they're again going to try and make an example of her. Excuse me, what was that? There was a gang going, what? Uh, They're going to make an example of her when she appears yeah, in the court. And there's a website where you can actually go and sign the petition, um, which is to free Emma West, but uh -huh. just go there and sign it as, as a support. There's got to be somebody over there that's going to stand up for that. That woman. Well, there's been very little mention of it in the newspapers, so it's not going to be in the forefront of people's minds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh no. Well, I tell people if you want to learn what to do and how to stop this or whatever, read uh, read about Hitler. Read about. Uh, how he came up to power and everything, and and um, it goes to show you that you know you just you have to start even if it starts with one person that you you have to educate and uh, not only yourself but you have to educate others and you got to build yourself in your army. Mm -hmm. and, um, it, it's it's very interesting that uh, his whole story, Joseph Goebbels, and and how they uh, started out with. Just what seven people, <clears throat> and this is the way. This is the way you got to do it. If you're going to speak out public, you have to go and you have to have a big mass of people on your side. <clears throat> because if you go out by yourself in the middle of these people, then you're going to they're they're going to rip you to threads. Well, well, you know something? You you have to speak the truth, and you have to speak it regardless of, of your chances of getting ripped to shreds. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what's the example in Scripture, right? And and that's what we should follow. Yeah, kind of, Emma West kind of put us through the, <laughs> the example, didn't she? Right? She did. Everything. Every, all those she things did. were there. She just popped right off. 
And, and she should be commended for it. And and I wrote a um a complimentary a complimentary of her a, a complimentary piece for the Saxon Messenger editorial for this month uh, on her, contrasting her with um the the fate of Danny O'Shea and and mm-hmm. um the fact that his murderers are walking the street right now. Yeah. And and r- roughly at the same time that Anna was dealt with like this, for some Mali women kicked um, a, a white woman to the yeah. floor, do you remember? And yeah. they were let off yeah. w- with a slap on the wrist. And they didn't right. go to prison. Yes. Yeah. She was hospitalised with this woman, this young woman. Yeah, I Yeah, the, the video went, went around, didn't it? Yeah, I didn't see that, or I would have probably contrasted her to Emma West rather than Danny O'Shea, but the, the O'Shea case hit me the other day, and, and I thought that maybe I should write about that, too. Oh, that's... This stuff goes on... These are the ones that, you know, uh, that come to the surface, but there's, this is come going... This is happening every day, this stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, elderly white people walking home with their, you know, groceries after shopping, and, and some big six-foot-four black comes up and just pulverizes this uh, poor woman, you know, just to steal her 20 bucks. Yeah. You know, all kinds of stuff goes on. You know, my cousin, who's a sheriff, he tells me all kinds of stories that, you know, never hit the, uh, <clears throat> never hit the media. Just terrible things that go on. It's just unbelievable what they do. And if they're not upstate, I don't know what is. <laughs> No doubt. No doubt about it. Well, on that note, it's almost 4.30, and, and um, I'm going to end this program. And, and I will hope to see hope to see you all back here on January 2nd. Oh, thank you, Bill. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and praise Yahweh. And, and if, we, if, if we spend time with our families this Christmas, I hope we enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody have a good one. Everybody here, yes. Thank you. Yahweh bless us, everybody. Yahweh bless. Yahweh bless.